And welcome once again to another edition of A Plain Answer here at Redeemer Broadcasting. I'm Dan Elmendorf. On the phone line with us today is Dr. John Vance. He's a board member here at Redeemer Broadcasting, and he now is living in West Virginia. He's retired, uh, but I don't think he's very uh, unbusy. I think he stays very busy. So, John, it's, it's an honor to have you on with us today. I'm delighted to be here today, particularly this time of the year at the end. <laughs> Amen. And as we look forward to a new one. Yes, and that's what we want to talk about today. Um, we've come through a lot here this past year, and um, we've experienced um, many things as we look at the news, as we've experienced it personally, and uh, maybe about half of this uh, program today will we'll look back on, on what we've just came through. So maybe you can help us uh, understand, you know, from your perspective, what have we been through? Of course, the, the, the past year uh, is, is uh, nothing but uh, continuation of the trends that probably have been operative in this country for uh, at least 60 years. I, I, I date most things uh, back to the 60s, it may even be uh, possible to date these uh, trends that we're experiencing back to just after World War II. War seems to change things uh, epically, and and this is uh, uh, a year that we see uh, these trends coming to further fruition, and it concerns me, if you want to know the truth, Dan, where we are culturally. Uh, I've for years studied the relationship between religion and culture. It's been a, an important matter for me, and uh, religions uh, tend to be, uh, in fact, I will say almost always is the basis uh, for a culture. If you want to understand the country of India, you have to you have to understand Hinduism. If you want to understand China, for instance, you have to uh, study um, the religions of China, not the least of which would be to understand Buddhism and uh, so forth. So uh, in America, in the West, if you want to understand us, you really have to understand Christianity. But uh, culturally, we're changing, and certainly the dominant uh, aspect of Christianity has changed, too. And, and uh, so I see progressivism taking over uh, our major institutions in this society, and it is a real trouble for true Bible-believing Christians uh, the way our culture is going. Um, let, let me just mention uh, something, uh, uh, a word that I'm sure most people out there know, progressivism. It is kind of a philosophy that developed early in uh, the administration of Woodrow Wilson. He, in fact, used that as a theme, and it, the progressive left was kind of born or came into existence then, and it really is dominant today, so much so that... Uh, most of us were shocked last year when the governor of Virginia, I think you remember him, Ralph Northern, I don't know whether you remember him or not. That oh, yeah. Name, um, I, I talked about abortion. Now, we've struggled with abortion for some time, but no one ever thought we would get to the place where people would talk about killing the baby post-birth, uh, even. And uh, that is a, a trend that is born out of progressivism, and of course it is rooted in a deep secular understanding of life, and what I mean by secularism, living life apart from God. So that is a concern to me. Uh, I'm also concerned 
about the present uh, state of the way we look at male and female. Uh, there is a, a tendency today in many quarters to beat up on males. And, and if you look at the statistics, uh, our young males are falling behind greatly in every way culturally. Um, and and uh, then we have the problem of gender fluidity. I'm sure you've heard of that term. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been, a, uh, I think, a, a curse to, for this to be introduced into our society. Uh, in, you know, we are born male and female, according to the scriptures. We're either male or we're female. Uh, I don't mean to say, of course, that uh, people don't have feelings sometimes in the opposite direction. There are other biological factors. But the truth is, uh, we, we only have two kinds of persons uh, when it comes to sexuality, male and female. And the so-called gender fluidity movement, understanding that you you can be in a man's biological body and still be a female and so forth, is a tragic, tragic uh, understanding of life that's, that, that progressivism has produced for us. So I see things like this as, as being real challenges for Christians. Um, I, I was in um, a conversation with a man recently, uh, a man who's, who's very well educated, and he goes to church. I'm not going to mention his particular church or denomination, but he was telling me that he was he and his wife were taking a class on gender fluidity and how they were to approach that and how they were to understand that. Now, this was obviously a very, a very liberal church. Um, but you even see it in Bible-believing circles, some of our young people buying into these kinds of concepts when it's clear uh, to me and from Scripture. Uh, when I say to me in Scripture, I mean it's clear in the Bible, and it's clear in nature uh, that there are pol- there is polarity in the human race, and it's male and female. Um, and people who feel trapped in their bodies as being something else. And of course, when we talk about gender fluidity, we're talking about all kinds of things, not just male or female. I think it'll get to the place where it may include other species. I don't know, but this is madness. Um, uh, there's a good name for this, gender uh, dysphoria. It means that it's a kind of, of uh, condition or, or mentality that's developed and is allowed to develop in our society. It's a disorder. It's, it's disordered. It's, it's akin, I think, to an eating disorder. Uh, there are people who believe uh, that they are fat and overweight and need to lose weight, and in reality, they are as skinny as a rail, so to speak. Uh, and that's a disorder. It, it's it's not reality. And so that's where we are on some of these things. Um, so that, that, that's a concern to me. But the pr- greater problem is not that this is so much on the fringe. I wish it were just on the fringe. Uh, but it's not. Uh, our educational institutions, our dominant educational institutions are taking this seriously. In fact, if you oppose this view... Uh, you are shunned, and I've even uh, read cases where students were expelled uh, for being uh, intolerant and uh, spreading hate speech. I think you've you've probably know about this a great deal. 
Mm. And of course, our media goes along with it. It's an amazing fact that our media and entertainment industries have gone along with things like this. Now, I'm just using the gender fluidity matter as, as, as an example. But things like this that we know that contradict clearly scripture and reason uh, are flourishing in our society. And it's, it's as if wild horses have been let loose. It's a very confusing time uh, for young people. And that's, that's my main concern in the past year. Uh, what are we doing to our young people? Uh, we are having transgender people come into public libraries at reading time and reading to little children. And of course they're propagating their own literature. Uh, these are, these are matters that are of great concern to me. Politically, I think we're in a cold war, uh, in this country. Um, people have talked about even a civil war politically that we're experiencing. I don't know whether it's true in every part of the country. I, I don't think so. And on the local level, not so much, but clearly in places like Washington, DC, um, uh, there is a cold political war going on that is quite serious. And again, people have invoked the notion of a civil war uh, politically in our country. Now, it, it may be somewhat far-fetched at this point, but there's no doubt there is an extreme disruption in our political life in this country. And this concerns me uh, very much. Um, Someone has said that a, a statesman is a dead politician. Uh, they only get uh, elevated to statesmanship uh, after they're dead. Almost every one of them do, I think. You know, if you read their their uh, obituaries and read about some of them in history. But we really like statesmen today. I I'm older, so I can remember people such as Everett Dirksen from the senator from Illinois. He was truly a great statesman. Or I think, uh, even though I disagree with him politically, I think Sam Irvin of the Watergate era was a, a great statesman, or Howard Baker. Uh, it's difficult to find these kinds of people that have garnered the respect of other people, other politicians that can rise above uh, and command respect and really guide in these times. I think if... Uh, Christians today, we're commanded to pray for those in authority. And I think one thing we need to pray that God would raise up uh, people with clear understanding and that could command the respect to lead this country uh, in the right direction. That, that is a concern of mine. I'm also concerned about our religious uh, situation. Uh, we live... Um, of course, my wife and I, we, we, we lived a life that's different than many. We were in the ministry, as you well know, for over 40 years. And since leaving the ministry, we've attended a lot of churches. I've attended a lot of denominations. And one reason I did so was just to kind of take a, a uh, horseback research of what's going on in the country religiously. We've attended uh, Pentecostal to Episcopalian. Uh, just taking the flavor of things, though we we have a little home church here. We, we have no more than 20 or 30 people, but uh, I have been greatly concerned about the confusion that is that has entered into our churches uh, in this country. 
there, there's almost a total collapse among liberal churches. There's no difference, it seems to me, between the standards of the world and the standards that we're seeing propagated in our uh, liberal churches. Uh, and when you depart from the Bible, you begin to get confused. Uh, it seems to me when we reject God's revelation that's clear, then, of course, we enter into a period of confusion. And you can see that in the history of Israel, by the way. When they rejected God and began to worship idols, uh, it, nearly every case, it, they changed culturally. One reason, say, for instance, the prophet Isaiah was so dead set against idolatry. If you read Isaiah 40 through 50, you have a very powerful statement against idolatry because Isaiah knew, of course, God was revealing himself through Isaiah's voice, but Isaiah knew that the gods you serve will make you become like them. You become like the gods you serve. And if you do not serve, it seems to me clearly the implication is the God of heaven who has revealed himself in the history of Israel in the person of Jesus Christ, uh, you become confused, your soul becomes darkened. And, and that is, of course, what I see, uh, too, in some of our churches when they cease to clearly understand and stand for the gospel. There's uh, been an almost total collapse in public life of Christian influence in the last, since Francis Schaeffer. I think you know that name, don't you? Yes. Uh, Francis, wonderful man. Uh, he talked about the Christian consensus. He said not everyone was necessarily a Christian, but they kind of agreed on the standards that had been preached in the country through the gospel, that uh, there was a right, there was a wrong. Uh, scripture was to be taken seriously, and that prevailed for much of our history, but for not, not since the 60s anyway. And we've lost the Christian consensus in the country, and this is devastating for our society, in my opinion. Oh, yes. And um, I, I think it was Mark Diedrich or someone that not too long ago reminded us that um, the first great awakening in our his, history um, really had a profound influence in um, the, the, the war for independence and the, and the formation of the United States of America. Um, and so that, that Christian consensus really was at the root of our culture and society and, and the laws that would follow. Um, you, um, you brought up a really good point here. Um, you mentioning the word progressivism and tying that to secularism, it's really a, um, a different form of religion. It's not the Christian religion, but it, it seems to me that it, it is religious. Have you thought about that? Oh, yes. Uh, it, of course, is, is Romans 1. The, the, uh, in many ways, uh, uh, if you read Romans 1, when people turn away from God to idols or make themselves uh, God, then, of course, a different kind of understanding of everything is produced. So, yes, I think that is uh, of what we used to call our civil religion, which was quasi-Christian, has now become a secular religion and is dominating the country. Yeah, it's religious, yeah. terribly religious. 
you can't cease to be religious, even though you cease to believe in God, even. Um, there, you know, you mentioned Mark Dietrich's comment. Uh, there was a famous historian who said that it would not have been an American revolution unless there had first been a revolution in the hearts of Americans, which right. took place at the Great Awakening. So those are matters are concerned. Uh, Christianity today, I, I, I'm very disappointed in what happened there even. Yeah. Uh, I think you're aware of that. The oh, author, yeah. um, you have to ask yourself, uh, yes, uh, uh, there are problems uh, with every politician, I have no doubt. But I do believe uh, that the the uh, uh, the editor of that great magazine, formerly great, founded uh, by Billy Graham's father-in-law, by the way, L. Nelson Bell and uh, Billy Graham and uh, some other very important people back then, uh, for him to take a stand against uh, the way he did, it seems to me, is an indication that even in our Bible-believing circles, uh, we're, we're, um, there's a great failure. Yes. I'm concerned about that. I'd like to hear your comment on that. I'm sure you thought <laughs> about that. I I probably don't have much of a profound comment. Um, I, I'm concerned that there doesn't seem to be a, a good constitutional basis in, in law and order um, for the the present uh, impeachment push um, by the Democratic Party. And uh, it's one thing to have legitimacy to an impeachment. And if that exists, then it needs to happen, independent of whether it's a Republican, Amen. Democrat, or whoever they are. But um, I haven't seen anything here. Much much of the uh, goings-on was hearsay, and uh, that, that makes me very worried um, that uh, we saw a similar thing with uh, the uh, Kavanaugh hearings and how that hearsay played such a large role in ruining a family's life and um we we see similar things with uh um in new york state red flag laws where just uh, oh just just a feeling true? you know just a feeling that oh this person is a danger let's take away his second amendment rights um and so this is we are on some very very dangerous territory now um, if if the if the rules now are that you can impeach for for anything, um, we will never have a stable presidency again, and I don't think anybody well, wants that. It's undermining our political order. It is uh, no question about it. It's undermining our political order. Uh, you, you speak of this, uh, uh, and uh, the Christianity Today editor should have asked himself an important question: What is the alternative? I don't think this president uh, suits my taste in many ways in terms of his manner and his tweeting and things like mm-hmm. that. But but he certainly has stood up for some very core things. There is, there, in some real sense, he's rooted in reality, meaning that he understands uh, certain aspects about American life. But you have to ask yourself, uh, whenever you uh, uh, – judge an individual uh, who's in high office like this. Uh, I don't know Donald Trump's uh, 
President Trump's religious life, but he certainly has been a boon to helping stop persecution of Christians around the world. Oh, yeah. He stood up for life. So you ask yourself, what is the alternative? You take a man's personal foibles and exalt them uh, uh, so high in a person who is not, of, uh, as far as I know, I don't know how religious he is or what he is. I don't think he's an evangelical at all. But that doesn't make any difference. Uh, uh, what is the alternative? Are you going to uh, uh, let the uh, in- individuals loose on the flock of God? Or uh, These are matters that I, I'm troubled by. Oh, yes. The alternative is, is we're going to have abortion at every stage, every level. Uh, we're going to have the country flooded, uh, our culture destroyed. Well, this is not that's not a viable alternative. I don't think the editor thought things through at all. No. I'm and also concerned about other things. Uh, the scandals in our churches, you know. That's uh, right. Uh, there have been scandals in our churches, Protestant, Catholic. I, I, I was terribly disturbed recently when I read in a national newspaper that uh, uh, the Vatican collected money for the poor and spent 90% of it on themselves and yeah. 10% on the poor. <laughs> that, that, it's that's, awful. That, that, it's awful. Yeah. You know, I, I pastored in New York State for years, and if if the church I pastored had done something like that, the Attorney General of New York State would have Oh, yeah. have uh, brought charges against us. Oh, yeah, it's true. You, you can't do that. No. But but there's more hope, you know, in life than these things. We can talk about these well, things. Well, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. Thanks. And um, we have maybe three or four minutes left. Going into the new year, um, there is reason to hope. Uh, you, before we open the mic, uh, you, you have a lot of pain, and people don't know that you've got a, a back that's acting up, and, and you're in a lot of pain, and yet... Your demeanor is one of hope. There's a reason for that. It's because of the reality of the Lord Jesus Christ in your life. Can you can you speak to that now uh, well, and, and encourage people? I, absolutely. I wrote a uh, uh, an article recently, or I preached a sermon. Actually, my brother just died, and I preached a sermon uh, that God, wow. on God has set eternity in our hearts. And that's from the book of Ecclesiastes. And I would just like to read uh, just a portion of this from, not even from a, 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 a Christian translation, uh, from the Jewish uh, tra- Jewish translation of uh, this particular uh, passage of Scripture. It, it, it's, it's the marvelous passage of Scripture. It's uh, Ecclesiastes 3, and in verse 11, I may have messed this up, but... Uh, Ecclesiastes 3, he starts out by saying, there is a season that is set for everything. There is a, a flow uh, into history. There is a, uh, it, it goes up and down, history does, and so forth. But here, listen to this. He brings everything to pass precisely at its time. He also puts eternity in their minds. But without man ever guessing from first to last all the things that God brings to pass. God is doing a wonderful thing in our day that we don't see or perceive. It's always kind of under the radar. <laughs> and here this writer, years ago, of a generate, what, uh, uh, centuries and centuries ago, even before Christ, uh, the writer, uh, Solomon, 
a thousand years or 900 years before Christ uh, is talking about there is a time and a season for everything. But the important thing, God has put eternity, something of himself in our hearts and lives that we might be able to think about the past and the future, even though we don't know it, that we have a speck of consciousness that we can think about God. And so when I think of those things, I also at Christmas time wrote a letter to some of my friends and I was moved to concentrate upon the fact that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. In our midst, in our trials and our tribulations, in a culture that we think is on the wrong track, Jesus is here in our midst and among us, and he will guide and direct us to the future. And God is doing a greater thing than we can even ask or think. Uh, I remember the verse in Romans 5, I think it's about verse 20 or 21, where Paul says, where sin abound, there does much more grace abound. Amen. And we've talked about a lot of negative things here, I have anyway. But I hope that people understand that God is with us in Jesus Christ, and that where sin abounds, grace abounds that much more. And I have great confidence going into the future. <laughs> uh, that God is doing a thing underneath the radar that we could not even imagine or think. Mm. Uh, think think of the growth of Christianity in the third world, in in China, where there's great persecution. The church is growing rapidly. It's estimated that China will be the largest Protestant country in the world in by the year uh, 2030. And that's a wonderful thing. That's a and, wonderful uh, thing. And think of what's taking place in Indonesia. Southeast Asia, Africa. The church is growing rapidly in Africa uh, at an amazing rate. Uh, we, we might be discouraged, uh, some people, about what's happening in our country. But, oh, my, what God is doing in the overall scheme of things. Mm, very uh, we true. We cannot imagine or think. Very true. And um, I wish we could keep on talking. I'm looking at the clock, realizing that our time has flown by so very quickly. Today we've been chatting with uh, former pastor of Westminster Presbyterian Church, Dr. John Vance, who now lives in West Virginia. And uh, Dr. Vance, if uh, someone would like to get a hold of you, they can contact us here at the station, certainly, and we could get you two in touch uh, with folks. But, um, dear listener, uh, this is important to consider that Uh, God has set eternity in our hearts, in your heart, and um, that all of life is religious. If you um, have a tendency towards wanting to know more, please get in touch with us, and we'll direct you to some good information and to people you can talk with. Pastor John Vance, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Dan. Thanks. Dear listener, please join us next week for another edition of A Plain Answer.